If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Well, today, if you're wondering what I'm preaching about, I'm preaching about obedience. Obedience. Samuel, it says, To obey is better than sacrifice. Proverbs 21, it says, To do what is right is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A call to obedience. Now, the problem with that call that God has placed on all our lives is that uh, God, in His wisdom, He has given us a thing called free choice. We can either choose to obey Him and follow Him, or we can uh, walk away and deny Him. We can say, yes, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Or we have the power to say, well, Lord, you have to wait a while until I get a little bit older or until I retire or until I have more money. Or we can say the worst answer of all. We can say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going where you called me to go. I'm not going to do what you told me to do. And that's a tragic answer to those questions. In your Bibles, in Matthew, or Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 34, let's read that. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. Here we see Jesus talking to the crowd, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's giving them some instruction. And he's telling them to do three things. He's telling them to deny themselves, to take up your cross. And then he says to follow me. It's a hard thing for us to to deny ourselves. I think as Americans, we we don't like to deny anything. You know, I want it when I want it and how I want it. You know, when you go to the restaurant today, if they give you something you didn't order, you know what you're going to do? You're going to send it back. I'm not paying for this. I wanted steak and you give me chicken. 
We don't like to deny ourselves. We like to say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go as long as it agrees with my agenda, as long as it agrees to what I want to do. I remember years ago, I hired this young man right out of jail. His name was Kenny. So Kenny was an okay worker, but not one I would recommend for you to hire. And after about two weeks, I asked Kenny, I said, how do you like working for me? He goes, I don't mind working for you, but I don't like you to tell me what to do. And I said, Kenny, you don't know anything. I have to tell you what to do. He said, but I don't like it. And I told Kenny, I said, well, if you don't like it, Kenny, you have to move on. And about a week later, Kenny moved on. And I'm pretty sure today, I don't know where he's working, but I'm pretty sure his boss is telling him what to do and how to do it. But we're like that sometimes, aren't we? We don't like God telling me what to do. I don't like it sometimes because he tells me to do stuff I don't want to do. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to be one of my disciples, if you're really going to follow after me, you first of all, you have to deny yourself. You have to lay down your will. You have to lay down your plans. You got to get on the program and you have to follow me. Your plans must become as Jesus' plans. If you're really going to accomplish anything in this world. But what, we, what happens to a lot of us? We hear God call our voice. And we go, God, that's not what I want to do. It's a sad thing that our Christian colleges aren't full of students. A lot of young people, once they graduate high school, they go to the school they choose, go where they want to go. They pick the career that they want to do. And sad to say that 86% of our, our young people in our churches, once they go off to a secular school, they never come back to church. Why? Because they begin to be fed of the world's ways and how the world wants you to live and what the world wants you to say and how the world wants you to do. I remember years ago, I remember this youth pastor on fire for God. Man, the youth group was rolling. It was carrying on. It was doing great things. And he decides to get further his education over here at George Mason University with atheist people trying to tell you what the Bible says. And they so convinced him that after about six months of teaching over there in George Mason, he walked away from God. Unbelievable. But it can happen. That's why it's so important for me and you to deny ourselves and say, God, where do you want me to go with my life? What do you want me to do, Lord Jesus? I only have so many days on this earth. And I want to do what you ask me to do, but what happens, our will gets in the way. Lord, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to stand in front of people. I don't want to say the word of God. I don't want to have to get up early and pray. I don't want to, Lord. Oh, man, the other day I went to 7-Eleven. And this lady, she had a little four-year-old boy. And she walks into the 7-Eleven. And that little boy, he wanted the Coca-Cola. And his mama said, no, 
You can't have it. And you know what he did? He fell on the floor. He beat the floor. He punched the Coke machine. And I'm watching him. I'm watching the mom. I'm thinking, man, you need to give him a little correction. You know, you got you got to, you got to, as Barney Fife would say, you got to nip it in the bud. If you ever watch, uh, uh, what is that show? Andy Griffith. And she sat there for a couple minutes and, you know, I had to step over him to get what I wanted out of the Coke machine, you know, and get my iced tea. And I stepped back over him and he's still pounding and punching and yelling and screaming. And I go up to the front and I'm paying for my iced tea and here he comes. You know what he's carrying? A Coke. A Coke. Man, I'd have made him drink that whole thing without coming up for air. That's what I'd have done. He would hate Cokes from now on. And we're like that sometimes. We beat our fist. We shake our fist at God and say, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go that way. And we become little brats. And God has to correct us. And you know what happens when we don't follow after God? It says in the same few verses there, it says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. In other words, the people that live for themselves only do what they want to do. In the end, they lose it all. I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day. He's, he was, he's, a, he's a deacon in a church. And I asked him how his boys were doing. He's got three sons. And he said, my oldest son's doing really good. He's real involved in church. And, you know, he's a colonel in the military. And my second son, he's doing really good. You know, he's, he's a youth pastor. And my third son, he's a doctor. I said, wow, he's a doctor, man. Yeah, he's, he's a surgeon. But he's not doing so good. Because he's walked away from God. That father knew what's the most important thing is for his three sons. You would think the doctor one would be the most one he's proud of. But that's the one he's praying for mostly. Because that son has bought the lie that I don't need to obey God. I'm going to do my own thing. If you ever saw the movie Jesus Revolution, there's a pastor in there, Chuck Smith. And uh, I, I got interested in that movie, and I got interested in his life, so I did a little study of his life. And basically what happened was, when he was a young person, he was a real smart guy, he wanted to become a doctor. And he's going to medical school, and he's doing really good on his grades. And one day the pastor called him into this, his office and said, Chuck, I hear you want to be a doctor. And Chuck Smith said, yeah, I'm doing really good. I think that's... That's what I want to do. I want to be a doctor. I want to save lives. I want to make a difference. I want to heal people if I can. And the pastor said, you know what? Everybody that you operate on, everybody that you give appeal to and they get better, every one of those people eventually will die. But when you become a pastor, everyone that you lead to Jesus will have eternal life. They will never die. So you choose which is the most important. And Chuck Smith said he went home, prayed about it, dropped out of medical school, and became a pastor. 
And when he told his mother, he thought his mother would be real upset with him. And she said, I knew it all along that one day you would be a pastor. She was so happy that he made that choice. To obey. The word obey means to follow without being drawn to the left or to the right. Walk in the straight and narrow road. Jesus Christ said this. He said, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many people are on that road and they think they're doing okay. But he said, you need to choose the narrow road which leads to eternal life. For that is the right road to be on. When you read about King Solomon, you see King Solomon, he never denied himself one thing. Whatever he wanted, he got. He got the best food, he got all the women, he got the best place to live. He did everything according to the flesh. And when you read about King Solomon and what he had to say at the end of his life, he basically said, it's all vanity. It was all a big waste of time because he got sidetracked. He didn't keep his eyes on God. He didn't deny himself. And he lived his own way. Jesus says, don't worry what you should eat or what you should drink or what you should put on. He said the pagans, the non-believers, that's what they always strive for. Those things aren't important. Follow me. Do what I ask you to do. That's the important things to do. But it's sad to say that a lot of Christians... We live our life like Jesus is never coming back. That he will never call us home. That he will never correct us. Don't be that type of believer. Deny yourself. And you know, a lot of times we think that if I obey God, if I really follow after God... He will send me to Africa in a little teeny hut with no air conditioning. I'm eating bugs for dinner, bugs for supper, you know, bugs for lunch, eating grass in the morning. We think that's what's going to happen. But most of the time, Jesus Christ, when he calls us and we obey him, he wants you to be the best government worker. He wants you to be the best lawyer. He wants you to be the best AC guy. He wants your light to shine in such a way that men will know that Jesus Christ rules and reigns in your life. He wants you to be the best teacher where you can make a difference. That's where he calls most of us into the secular world, that we can make a difference. Now, every once in a while, he'll send you somewhere you don't want to go, but you still go. So don't think by denying yourself you're going to lose out. In the end, you win. In the end, you win. You gain, you gain it all. You know, that's why Jesus said, what profits the man if he gains the whole world? All the money in the world. And loses his own soul. Linda is big into yard sales. 
I think I hate yard sales with a passion. I would just give it all away. It doesn't belong to me. Just get it out of my garage. Just put it on the street. Let people take it. But she's trying to raise money for missions, so she gets all this stuff. And a lot of stuff she gets is from people who've passed on. You know, they've died, and they've asked her to come into the house and clean out the house. And all those treasures they thought they were so important. The furniture, the clothes, the pictures. It's all sold for just a few hundred dollars. Or in Linda's case, a few thousand dollars. She rips people off, I think. <laughs> she does. I say, that bike is not worth 50 bucks. That bike's worth 10. She gets 50. I mean, she sells trash, and she makes money. And you think about people's lives, that they, their whole life, they live for themselves, and they accumulate all this stuff. And a lot of it ends up in the dumpster. Don't be that type of person. Don't be that type of Christian. You know? Say, Lord, it's all yours. And whatever he calls you to do, do it. And you may say, well, I can't do it. I can't preach. I can't go on the mission field. I can't do this. I can't do that. We have all these excuses. I love what Paul says. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things means what? All things. That's exactly what it means. So no matter what God calls you to do, you know what? You can do it. And you can be an excess at what you do. I think sometimes when I think about the Christian life, I call it the life of inconvenience. Because it is. God is always interrupting my plans. He's always getting me to do something that I don't think that's important. I'm inconvenient by you, Lord. Why should I come to church today, Lord? Don't you know it's nice out there? I could be on my boat. I could be fishing, Lord. And I went yesterday, and I'm thinking, why am I coming back? The Lord of inconvenience. But to obey is better than sacrifice. Following God, you will never regret one minute, one moment of your life as you give your life to Jesus. What's the second thing that God calls us to do? He calls us to take up our cross. Take up our cross and follow him. A lot of churches don't have crosses anymore. They've taken them down because Christianity is a bloody religion. You talk about being crucified, and you talk about being nailed to the cross, and you talk about the spear in the side, and you talk about the blood, and you talk about all these gory, nasty things. And the cross, which is a symbol of execution, why do we have that in our church? Because without the cross, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We have no hope. That's what the gospel is built on, what Jesus Christ has done. So never take the cross for granted. And Jesus told those disciples in that crowd, 
Take up your cross and follow me. And I'm pretty sure a lot of those disciples were thinking, no way. I'm not taking up that cross. I'm not going to Calvary. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give my life for just Jesus. See, because the cross, it's the symbol of suffering, shame, ridicule, self-denial. I don't like those things. I don't like those words. I don't like to suffer. I like to live in comfort. I don't like to be shameful or shamed. I want somebody to call me those Bible thumpers, those radical, crazy Christians. I don't like those words. But as I follow Christ, I realize that sometimes that's the way it is. Because the world will hate you, Jesus warned us. He said, the world will despise you because of me. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And it's so important for us to remember that this is not our home. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us that is so beautiful, that is so perfect, that is so great, that compared to this world, we are living on the dump. Really, we think we're living in luxury, but we are living on the landfill. We are living on the dump compared to heaven. I remember years ago, we went to uh, Honduras, and we worked on a church right there on the dump. And man, it was a smelly, stinky place. But people were coming to Jesus. See, because that land they could build on, because nobody wanted it. That's why they built their church there. Because in Honduras, a lot of people live on the dump. They have no other way of making it. They go through the trash, they eat the leftover food, they take the scraps, they build their huts. Terrible place. But one day, everybody that lives in that place, that dump, will one day will have a glorious home in heaven because they have sacrificed everything to follow after Jesus. So pick up your cross today. Be identified with Jesus. Be one of his followers. No matter what the world may call you, no matter what the world would say about you, you follow Jesus. You pick up your cross and you follow him. Back in 1969, there was a guy called Arthur Blessed. Anybody ever heard of him? He was a nut. He was a first-class, holy roller, nutcase. That's who he was. He had a little coffee shop right there in California. Sunset Strip, as where his coffee shop was. And he, had a, he got saved and he put a big old cross right there above the counter. And he's serving coffee to people and telling people about Jesus. And one day Jesus says, you know what? I want you to take that cross off the wall and I want you to carry it up and down the boulevard. And you know what that crazy Christian did? He carried that cross up and down the boulevard, passing out tracks, telling people about Jesus. And then when he got back to the coffee shop, he said, and the Lord said, okay, now I want you to walk across America with that cross. And you know what he did? He walked across America. That's a long walk. Took him many, many days. But he did it, carrying that cross. 
passing out tracts, telling the people about Jesus. And you know what the world said? He's a nut. He's crazy. I can't believe he would do something like that. Over the mountains, down the highways, here comes Arthur carrying that cross. And once he made his way all the way across the United States to the East Coast, the Lord says, okay, now I want you to go to Europe. I want you to walk across Europe, Germany, England, France with that cross. And you know what he did? He walked. He walked for 40 years across Canada, South America. He said, even though I've been arrested 24 times and placed in front of a firing squad in Nicaragua until I held up the, the Bible in front of my cross and the guys laid down their weapons and they all accepted Jesus. That is powerful. The nutcase from California won many people to Jesus carrying that cross. He carried that cross for 38,000 miles. And who knows how many people he won to the Lord. That's the kind of Christians God's calling us to be. To pick up our cross. Follow him. And what's the third thing that the Lord wants us to do? He wants us to follow him. He's not called us all to pick up a cross and walk across America. But the Lord has a call on your life and my life, and our job is to follow him wherever he leads. To Kingstown, to Franconia, to Alexandria, to D.C., to New York, wherever he has called you to go, you need to follow him. Because when you really follow after Jesus, then your life can begin. See, you, when you're doing your own thing, you think you're living. You think you're doing okay. Not till you give your life to Christ, not till you begin to follow after him, do you really start to live. That's when things really begin to open up for you, when you really start to follow after the Lord. In 1956, there was a group of five missionaries. They were world famous because all five of them got killed in Ecuador. They were told not to go to this one tribe because these guys are hit hunters. Anybody that gets on their land, they will kill you. But these five missionaries said, it's worth the price so that they may know Jesus. And Jim Elliott, Nick Saint, and the other three missionaries, they went to Ecuador, they went to this crazy, savage tribe, and all five of them perished. Even though they had guns, even though they had weapons, they did not shoot at the Indians. They tried to reason with them, and was no reasoning with them, and all five died. And you may say, such a waste. Jim Elliott, at the age of 28, died there and thrown in that river in Ecuador. But today we have that great quote that he quoted. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain that which he cannot lose. See, we try to keep our lives. We try to stay safe. We try to keep this life going. But you know what? We all perish. We all die. That's how the Lord made it. In the beginning, he, he, he made us all to live forever. But because of sin, we all pass away. Some at 70, some at 50, some at 30, some at 90, some at 100. But everybody in this room, myself included, 100 years from now, we'll all be gone. And only what we've done for Jesus will last. Everything else will be a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of money. But only what we do for God will last for eternity. And you know the crazy thing about that Indian tribe, two years later, Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint went back to that same savage Indian tribe. And they want them all to Jesus. I don't know why they went back. I would have never gone back. But see, God called them to go back. And they went. And because of their faithfulness, those two women learned the language, began to dissect the Bible in their language, and they brought them all to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now the world will say that you, you should leave those people alone. Let them live like that. Don't go in there with your Christianity and your ways of, life, ways of living. Don't go in there and influence in them. But see, Jim Saint and the rest of the people heard the voice of God who says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because all those Indians, all those people have no hope. And they brought them hope. And today that tribe... They're all believers. We were in Ecuador a few years ago, up about 10,000 feet, working on a church for the same Indian tribes. And man, those people can work. They're about this tall. They're short little people, man. I mean, they're, but they're strong as a horse. And I mean, up and down the ladder all day long. And the women outwork the men. The women are stronger than the guys. The women are the ones carrying the brick up to the second floor and the cement to the second floor, and the guys are just laying the brick, and we're up there helping them. And they take their little babies, and they wrap them up like you get from the hospital, and they stick them on bushes during the day. And they start crying. They come down off the roof, and they feed the baby or whatever they have to do to them. Unbelievable. Man, I was so touched by those people. Man, they're sold out for Jesus. And you know, most of the people in Ecuador don't like them. They're prejudiced to those Indian people because they're not Spanish. They don't speak Spanish. But God loves them. And because of those missionaries going there back in the 50s, those people are really saved. John chapter 6, Jesus is talking to the crowd and he's talking to his disciples about the hard things that are going to come their way and what they're doing. And then in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, From that time, 
many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Will you also leave me? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life, and we believe and are sure you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Serving Jesus is not always easy. Doing what he's asked us to do, doesn't sound, sometimes it doesn't seem quite right. But we need to learn to follow him because it will lead us to eternal life. And I'll close with this story. His name is David Platermere. His dad was a missionary to China and Tibet years, years before that. He did great works there in China and Tibet until he was kicked out when the communists took over. And David was going to, he was going to become a doctor. But the Lord said, no, you're going to become a missionary. He said, okay, Lord, I'll become a missionary. I'll do what you ask me to do. So he hit the road. And he went out from service. And the way it works in the Assemblies of God, you have to raise your support. If you're really called to be a missionary, you got to, right, Dick? you got to raise every dollar to go. And he went to all these churches, and at the end of the month, you know how much money he had after all these services, after he paid for his room and board and gas and all that stuff? He had a dollar forty-four cent. He needed to raise about five grand. And he said, Lord, this is not working. I need to know that I know that you have really called me to be a missionary. And that night the Lord gave him this scripture. Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. That Sunday, he went to the Sunday school convention to preach there and share about his call to the mission field. And after he finished preaching, a lady stood up and began to speak in tongues, and the interpretation came. And you know what the interpretation was? Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and hold you up with my righteous right hand. And David Platermere said, Lord, it don't get any clearer than that. And from that Sunday on, the money began to pour in. And within six months, he was on the mission field. And he's been a missionary for now for over 30 years. So today, what will your answer be? Deny yourself 
or to live for yourself. To pick up your cross or to ignore the cross. To follow Jesus or not to follow Jesus. Even though the Lord said these words over 2,000 years ago, they're just as irrelevant today. They haven't lost their power. He calls us today. What will our answer be? Only you can answer that question. But I can tell you this, don't fear. The Lord is with us.